Okay, good morning, evening, uh, or night, uh, whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, welcome. Uh, today, me and my friend Kos are doing another podcast, um, basically exploring this medium as a way of sharing our experience uh, with the world. And um, yeah, I definitely hope you guys uh, will like it. So, uh, my personal goal with this today is to share some of my experience in regard to habits I have built, uh, why I have built them, how they have served me, what uh, what challenges I have encountered in discipline and building the habits. Uh, And I hope at the end of this podcast you will have some practical tips uh, and some interesting stories uh, to remember uh, while you are on the journey of building the habits that will take you to your best self. Um, also, focusing a little bit of, on communication, the importance of communication as a whole, also self-talk, um, and basically how to come aw- become aware of the impacts of uh, different forms of communication. So for this as well, uh, some stories, also some, some tips that you might take with you, that you might enjoy using. Um, so yeah, those are, those are my goals for the podcast. That's it. And for me, my, my personal goals for this podcast are to yeah, share some of the, of the knowledge, some of the learnings that I've accrued to um, studying from YouTube, from books, from my study, trying to test what I learned against reality and see what worked for me and what didn't work. And I, my hope is that by sharing some of my own experiences with you, you will be able to relate to some of the struggles that I've gone through, some of the ways that I have found to overcome them. And uh, my hope is that you can apply some of these, um, these skills, these mindsets to your own life and learn something from it. Yeah, so I think it's... Uh it can be interesting to tell the audience about our perspective uh, that we have. <laughs> mm-hmm. So my perspective, uh, I'm a young guy, 24 years old, and uh, right now striving for balance in my life after working hard for five years, uh, doing door-to-door selling and going uh, yeah, to, uh, to multiple positions throughout the company and now designing the management training program for the company where I'm using lots of psychology and sales knowledge uh, in practice to basically um, allow new managers to achieve new highs in managing sales teams. Um, Now currently I'm studying business administration at the University of Amsterdam, very much enjoying uh, going into the theory after all these years of uh, practice and uh, going into a new phase of my life. Uh, with lots of young kids who are 18 years old around, uh, who are running around me, <laughs> being uh, 8-year-old drunk kids and uh, finding it really interesting. So that's my perspective uh, going into this uh, and my phase of my life. Uh, how about yours, Kas? Um, my perspective going into this is that I'm 24 years old as well. I'm a psychology student. I have kind of found my one of my passions in psychology after um, like struggling for quite a while with finding finding my way let's say finding a way to work 
structurally on something that I'm really passionate about. Um, having um, traveled around for a while after having um, failed the study of uh, applied physics twice, um, which has which has had quite deep implications for me many years afterwards and maybe still do in some ways. Um, afterwards, I've traveled and have got to know myself in a different light. And, um, well, just like you, after a long time of traveling, returning to studying, returning to go back in the books was very um, enlightening for me. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the things that I have gotten very much into since I've been s- starting to, to study is um, how can I create value for for the world, value for others and one such way is um, by setting uh, that I've set up a support group um, where like a, a talk group where we talk about our lives our problems, our dreams and try to uh, develop our communication um, to be able to be more in touch with what we feel with what our experience is what holds us back what drives us and also becoming more able to to listen um, to to exchange value with someone else which is something that i hope to do and further develop through this podcast Mm -hmm. through talking with people that i can have great conversations with like Nita here um, and that I've always thought like when I had these conversations like ah there should just should be a mic here in the middle and there it um, is it, it would be valuable so yeah. so now I'm in a phase that I um, I want to stop trying stop holding my back myself back too much and dare to be vulnerable and share um, share some share s- some parts of myself that are really deeply uh, personal to me and 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 have deep significance um, because I think I've long let myself being held back by my own fears, my own perfectionism, uh, beating myself down of not being good enough. Um, so in in some way this is also a um, yeah way of being being vulnerable, opening up and um, surrendering myself to to this journey and what it has to offer. Hmm. Great, you're betting on your potential. Indeed, indeed. So nice that you also shared something personal. I think what you said is something lots of people identify with. They have this great vision of all they can be, all they would like to share with the world. Uh, but in reality, they're keeping lots of it in. And I'm sure not. lots of people don't know why. It's probably just a feeling, it's a fear, or it's maybe something different. Uh, but I think there's lots of people listening to this podcast that actually know there is a bigger, better version of themselves uh, waiting, that it's possible to achieve it if they only take action. So one nice question I thought to ask you was, what made you put this mic here? What allowed you to finally take the step to put the mic here on the table and to just go? Mm -hmm. That's a very, very interesting question that I have not really thought about yet. Um, I, I will just just share some things that that come up for me. Um, one important habit I think is surrounding, um, like like for me, is surrounding myself with the right people. Hmm. Surrounding myself with people that are 
um, that are helping me to self-actualize, that are helping me to, to grow, that, um, with whom I share some, um, some of my core values. And I think you are definitely one of them. And um, you sharing this idea of wanting to record something, wanting to broadcast, um, wanting to create value for the world, I think that has made the step a lot easier for me to now sit here, feel very comfortable being here with you, um, feel very engaged with the conversation, um, inspired and um, um, excited about what this journey that we're now going in together has, uh, has to offer for, for me personally and for, for us together. Um, because I think it will both deepen our friendship as kind of create a sort of a partnership of working together on something that um, um, that we're both so passionate about. Um, really cool answer. Mm -hmm. So um, what was the moment that made you realize this, that we could take this step? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I must say that I'm not quite sure anymore what... Because it... it, it okay, I noticed already because this is the second time that the mic is here in between us. We're sitting on the same table. That it, this time was already kind of a lot easier. Hmm. Because when we made the step before the holiday in the end of last year. Um, like I think that was the real big step. The first and step. Yeah. And, and um, as my friend Bacanti said some time ago to me... Um, you know, once you have made that first step, the second is so much easier. And then you will get the process rolling. And I think that really applies here. Just making that first step, sharing it with some people. Um, Confucius said uh, the hardest step of the hardest part of a thousand mile journey is the first step. Mm -hmm. And I think it rings true. Uh, I, I think reflecting on this, I do remember the moment mm -hmm. uh, uh, when this actually became an idea where we both thought, okay, we, we could do this. That was the moment that you actually showed me your, uh, your letter that you wrote, your description of your personal heaven and your personal hell. Hmm. It's a concept that I think you got from Jordan Peterson, wherein one describes uh, their ultimate best vision of themselves and also their lowest of the low, lowest vision of themselves. So what if everything goes wrong? What if everything goes the way that I don't want to go. Uh, when you engage in all the bad habits, all, yeah. the, all the things that you do, where this little voice of you said, says, don't do that. And you still decide to, to do it. Do it every time. Yeah. Keep exactly. doing it. Mm -hmm. It was really intense to, lead, to read that letter as well. But then also the personal heaven, which was really great and which I saw a vision that I identified with a lot of creating value for the world, of sharing. So I think that also uh, goes to communication basically when you mm -hmm. communicate what you really truly want when you once you dare to do that mm -hmm. uh, and you don't take a rejection of it personal anymore i think that's a big step mm -hmm. um, and to get there i think you must start communicating uh, what you really feel mm -hmm. which is pretty scary uh, mm -hmm. honestly in the beginning and once you do you will notice that um, if people don't like what you do anymore, that it's 
has more to do with them than it has to do with you. Nothing that you can say is really wrong, but it can be not right for that person. And that's okay. Once you accept that fact, then uh, honest communication will guide you like a compass to the people who can help you get to your goals and the people who don't want to. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, you, uh, I'm assuming at least, don't want to try to achieve your goals with people who don't want to help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at least I, that's not what I want. But it's, I think, what a lot of people um, subject themselves to if they don't communicate their truest truest goals, their, 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 their highest visions, mm-hmm. the things that they really want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I would like to take it like one step, st- step deeper because what comes before you're able to communicate to other people what you really want, what you really feel, what you really experience. Before that comes being able to communicate to yourself what you really want. To be aware enough, mindful enough to, to feel what's going on inside of you. How you feel in a certain situation. How you feel when you communicate in a certain way. When someone else communicates in a certain way to you. And um, if we can connect that to habit formation. One of the most, most valuable habits that I've developed uh, in, in the last it's about five years is um, is journaling is writing to myself and attempting at communicating myself to myself as openly as possible great another habit that I've um, developed simultaneously with that and which is also I think um, made me realize or, or made me utilize the potential about communicating openly to myself is sharing it with others. I want to pause you here. I like what you're saying, but I have something to add to it. Uh, Please do. Yeah. So it was about two years ago, I think, a little bit more. And we talked. And then we talked about the habit of personal journaling, which I had uh, not done in a really long time. Uh, I was a team manager and I was working, working really hard. Uh, my health was going yeah, the, the wrong way, basically. It was still pretty good, but... Uh, uh, I was noticing that I was getting really stressed out, which is something I've uh, always, well, almost always not had in my life, which was crazy for me. Mm-hmm. So my passion started to turn into something I had to do. That's how I felt. And that's how I felt because I told myself I had to keep going so many times when I really had to take a physical break, basically. Just, But I didn't, so I could achieve the goal. And then I was uh, on the cusp of a big decision. Basically, I could choose to become, you know, to, to, to take the new role instead of a team manager, take a promotion and go to the, yeah, to the manager of, uh, you know, the whole place, basically. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the perfect word for it. it it's, it's, basically, uh, it's basically the manager of the managers. <laughs> Of, of, of the single sales place of, of Amsterdam basically of the Amsterdam sales division so I could either do this or not do this and I felt really um, chaotic about it 
pretty bad, but also good, and not knowing what I had to do at all. Restless is maybe mm. the feeling. And then you recommended to me journal. So there I was, uh, sitting, you know, in front of a coffee shop at, you know, a random square, opening my evaluation booklet, which I use to evaluate everyone in my team. And then I asked a question for the first time in a couple of years to myself, how is it going? I just asked to myself, how are you, Nita? Mm -hmm. And I wrote it. I wrote, how are you? And something changed within me because when I didn't have the front to put up for people of, you know, uh, being the manager, being the example for everybody who's always happy because he knows that will get the optimal result from his employees. When I dropped that, when I was just communicating with myself, mm -hmm. then the real emotions came loose. And then I realized I'm actually not doing good at all. Even though I'm telling people I am, uh, I'm not doing good at all. So that was really insightful. In, in, in a few seconds, when reading it by my own hand, I knew it. Uh, so, yeah, I can definitely um, say that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. So uh, for you guys, for guys and girls, for listeners out there, uh, if you are feeling restless about the direction of your life, take out a piece of paper, try it. And just write, how are you? And you will see what comes up. If you write it down, you can even, you know, make it more concrete. But just write down the question, think about it. Ask yourself, how am I? Because you are the only one uh, for which there is really no use in putting up a front. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it allowed me to take the decision in a way that I really stood behind. And uh, it, it started a process of being more honest to myself, which had many more stages, but which started with this first step. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Cos, for that moment. Mm -hmm. It has served me a lot. Thank you for, for sharing it, yeah. probably again with me, but um, in, this, in this new light of like uh, looking back on, uh, on the, the start of change. Yeah, it, it was the start of a huge change. Because uh, after I took that promotion it, uh, and I realized after a while doing that, being successful at it, that asking myself the question again about nine months later, that this new promotion wasn't the place I wanted to be. And then I changed course again. I, I, I realized I was working way too hard. I wanted to work with people who were more, more motivated, more interested in really taking it to the next level. And I also wanted to put in less hours. So... I, I'm probably thinking in lots of ways I could have stood there and said I should quit my job and do something else mm -hmm. but what I instead did is I communicated this exactly to the directors of the company and the partners uh, and I did it in a really structured way I made a presentation and everything uh, and I said let's take advantage of the opportunity I have lots of knowledge you, you have managers that need training. I just need to work less, but I can make my impact more. Let's mm -hmm. go. And then they said yes. Mm -hmm. So communicating with myself then again allowed me to communicate with them. Um, and that's, that's really the benefit. When, when people know what you want and they want the same thing, they will help you get there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think it's a very beautiful example of how 
formulating for yourself what you want and what your, your dream is, basically. So in some way you were envisioning your future and then you were your future in the company. And then you were, and before that you identified what is it that I, that I want? What yeah. is it that I need in my life to be, to be fulfilled? Um, and then by sharing that as openly, as accurately as you could with management, then you discovered they want the same as me. And I, I suspect that it's often a um, presupposition that we have that, oh no, but other people don't want what I want. Right, like oh, if I communicate myself openly, that that would hurt another person, or uh, mm -hmm. they won't understand me. But like, I think this is a, an example, and I think I have made many experiences myself that when I allow myself to open up, um, I find out what um, what Rogers wrote so beautifully and simply that what is most personal is most general. Hmm. That my most heartfelt truths these were what people could relate to and that makes a lot of sense when you think of it because it's it's my most heartfelt truth like that's something that you can relate to because it's authentic exactly and if people can't relate to it uh, that's an important thing for you to know because mm. in the end otherwise you will uh, discover yourself holding up a front to basically cover up uh, you know the fact that there isn't really a way forward with you between you and this person anyway mm -hmm. uh, there's only a way which they want to go and a way which you want to go and those paths diverge they go a different way mm -hmm. which doesn't make your path bad or their path good or vice versa mm -hmm. it's just different and accepting that difference uh, it accepting the difference that you are basically with respect to other people is is crucial to you know making it shine investing in it and, and mm -hmm. really finding out who you truly are mm -hmm. which i think is an ongoing process and maybe we can't get to every goal we had in mind but we can find out how it is to be us mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and i think that that is really important as well and Especially when building a team, when, when going for a goal, you need to know if the deepest truths, as you called it, are aligned. Yeah. Because if they are not, you will find out. It's just, you're just delaying the pain. And by trying to delay it, trying to avoid getting to, you know, f finding out that there really isn't a true convergence of the goals in there, you're gonna, it's just gonna get worse. Mm -hmm. basically because yes. it will show in every action in the little things and you will argue about all the little things but when really it's just the difference in the biggest things that we keep hidden that is mm -hmm. causing all of that so people argue with the points on the periphery but it has no use mm -hmm. because it won't start at the core and therefore it won't make a change mm -hmm. and then it can even be the case that something that is initially relatively small which would not um, lead to you having to separate ways with with someone or with a project that by not attending to it by not communicating it to yourself and to others clearly that um, this will grow out to something that is of um, 
of enough magnitude to blow you two apart. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's very important uh, to, to develop the habit to reflect and to identify these little dragons before they, um, they, they grow out to be full-fledged dragons that, that pick your house up and um, throw it away to another in the ocean. I, I like the analogy. If we take it back to hero mythology of slaying your dragons, um, you better slay them when they are small because hmm. otherwise they get big. Um, and that is really... It's, 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 um, it, people think you have to be strong to slay a dragon. And I agree. But the question is, what is strength? Mm-hmm. Some people think strength is taking everything, just taking it, uh, and just ignoring it to keep going. Which was one of my old definitions of strength when I had the mask on uh, for a bigger part of the time. Mm-hmm. I thought if you are just unfazed by the negative things life throws at you, then you are strong. But in reality, the, the reason you don't like them is because the things are already penetrating your armor. They're already hitting you somewhere. And by basically not attending to that, to that hole in the armor, they actually become your weakness. When real strength is just... Uh, for me at least, my current definition, is instead acknowledging that something can hurt you, but daring to feel it, knowing that you will be fine anyway. Mm -hmm. And dare to show this vulnerability also to other people, which is one thing that enables you, that allows you to connect with them on a very deep level, that allows you to connect with your work in a very deep level. Yeah. Exactly. We, I experienced this myself, uh, which there's uh, an example of my good friend Ikero. He, he um, is talking with Sistema instructors. He was in a seminar in Toronto. Sistema is a Russian martial art, basically. And next to martial art, they also do massage and psychology. It goes really far. They, they, they use basically... Mm-hmm everything known about the human body uh, to be able to beat somebody in combat. So there was one guy at the martial arts seminar and he was about 80 years old. And um, he was an old soldier. He came there. And one of the things they do, this is my instructors, is they look at somebody's body and they see the trauma that somebody's had. And they use this to beat them in combat. So for example, you might have had a... Example, you have been uh, hit with a crowbar, with an iron bar. And your left shoulder almost got completely ripped off. It's still on there, but it's a really big wound. It's been a really long time for it to heal and it's still not completely fixed. So what the Sistema instructor will do is he will look at your body. He will see in your posture that you still have a little bit of a defensive posture to the left side, basically. And what he will do is he'll try to basically fake a blow in such a short way that your body will actually relive the trauma moment and that will make you weak so he can beat you. So this is a combat example. I will now tell you the example that they used on the old man. The old man stood there and all he did to break this old man 
he walked up to him and he said, you're home. And the man broke down in tears. He started crying and he was beaten. Mm-hmm. I believe he said, uh, you're home. You don't have to fight anymore. I think that was it. He was keeping himself strong for 80 years, still walking up there as the first volunteer, as a guy who's 80 years old, mm-hmm. volunteering to fight. And the only thing he he needed is to realize the fight was over. Mm-hmm. And that made him drop all the emotion, all the pain he had been holding for 80 years. And that coming up, that was enough to break him. So I think it's a, it's a crazy uh, example of what communication can do. Mm-hmm. I think it's also beautiful that, well, like you used the phrase break him, but in some way that breaking him was also liberating him, yeah. right? Because it was something that he had apparently carried with him for such a long time. And then by reading him, by, by seeing him, because like m- many people would not see that because you have to develop that you have to be able to really listen and judge a person's character and then fully receive them to be able to to communicate in such a way to them and um, i think it's beautiful how he lost the fight but um won the battle let's say because yeah. he could finally overcome something and i think that's what martial arts also a lot about is making making steps in your personal journey going towards balance uh, getting to know your vulnerabilities and um it's like uh, ralph waldo emerson said uh, when you face the fear you will experience the death of fear itself mm. very beautiful expression and um, I, I would like to take it to take it um take it back a bit to the original proposition that you were um, talking about with um, like because you gave an example from your from your work life and you gave the example of, of, of when something when two persons go in different directions when they really listen to their to their dreams when they really listen to their inner world that it's good to know that and to know that in an early stadium and um, one point that I just wanted to add to that, that is that it, I think it's a very generalized truth that's true for any interpersonal relationship. So whether that's a relationship that you have in work, in a team, in a project that you're working on, but also in a friendship or in a, in a relationship. And I think it's something that also often occurs in relationships that you're like, you don't want to, because you said like, like you, you don't want to look what you really want because you're afraid of what you might find and that that what you may find might mean that you two might diverge that yeah that that might mean that the relationship doesn't work on the long run and um i think that relates very strongly to the concept of attaching to your expectations to the illusion of certainty that you have of your future and that when you then look in the present and see like, oh, that's actually not where it's going, then you're not only losing the current relationship, but you're losing your um, your idea of the future, which yeah. is not even there. It's something that's just a concept in your mind. 
Yeah, but that concept can give people certainty, can give people hope. Uh, basically, they, it can give them the strength to keep going. And then also, once it dissolves, it can also remove that strength from them, mm-hmm. which people are afraid of if they don't have their own strength to depend on. Um, well, this is a, f- a part of their own fra- strength. It is, of course, also a figment of their imagination, which they are attached to because believe they believe they need it. And that's basically the false truth in this whole story because uh, generally speaking, even if the thing that you have in your head doesn't come true, you will survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they don't need it as much as they think they do, usually. They do need a form of certainty, but they might just need a more real form of certainty. Mm-hmm. And I think the real form of certainty is, is accepting that um, nothing is permanent, that, yeah. that life is change, that you are a process and the people that you interact with are processes and these processes might like merge more together or they might diverge, they might work together well in some periods and work less in others. Yeah. And um, I think it's important to less try to kind of label it from a top down, of like, oh, this is this and it has to stay like that. Because that isn't, doesn't take into account the... Um, the, the fundamental truth of reality that life yeah. is change. Only uh, change is constant. Change is the only constant in the universe. Mm-hmm. So you can either choose to make change your ally or make change your enemy. Uh, and once you resist the world, once you resist that which is unresistible, even if you try to resist change every day of your life, the world will still change. You're setting yourself up for a battle that you are not meant to win. Mm-hmm. And this battle can go on your whole life, basically. Um, or you can choose to make change your ally. And I think that's a nice bridge to our next subject. Going a little bit deeper into the habits. Trying to make change your ally. So you can you know, move toward the improved version of yourself. And um, doing that at, as optimally as possible basically to make sure that you do achieve the potential you have before you leave this world mm-hmm. would you would you maybe um, to go into the topic of habits um, illuminate a bit of your um, like maybe your general view um, of the importance of developing good habits um, and maybe how what, what what role habits take in your life um, I, I really like the way how you gave me a, a broad question. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, about what my general view would be. And it's basically this. I believe in cause and effect. So for me, certain effects have certain causes, uh, which I think, you know, physics is really <laughs> the, the accumulation of all the knowledge and the knowledge about physics basically points to this. This is true in our world. So when you take that into account, what actually has the most impact on your life? You know, how many days do you live? Let's assume that you live to be a nice round 130 years old, taking into account the increased life expectancy. Then we have 47,450 days. Imagine every day 
you do something. No matter how little that thing is, if you do that impact of that one little action times 47,550, the impact will be huge. So the importance of habit um, is basically that habits, by doing something daily, it automatically becomes one of the most important, impactful things in your life. It becomes one of the main causes that will drive all the effects every day into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, going back a little bit to a definition of, of habits is basically something that is in your routine, meaning that you do it at a regular interval, it, usually in a certain way. It can evolve a little bit. Uh, let's take uh, you know, let, let's take an example of one of the habits that helped me a lot. That's once. I, uh, in the morning, once I wake up, the first thing I do is I do yoga. I do five minutes, I do one sun sanitation, and then I do a squat, which I do a couple of reaches to stretch out a little bit. And I've noticed every morning, once I start, I hate it. And once I stop, I love it. Uh, And it has made my life so much more enjoyable because... How, how you physically move, it, it determines for a large part the rest of your day, which you will experience once you do it. Um, for the simple reason that your body adjusts your physiology, uh, physiology to make sure that you are prepared for activity. So your body has a built-in system. Once you start moving, it starts producing certain hormones. More dopamine gets released. Uh, it are you Dopamine, serotonin... These are neurochemicals that make you happier. They make you more able to move. They lower the barrier of resistance for more activity. And by starting the activity at the start of the day, these neurochemicals get elevated, physiology gets pumped up, and you're ready. You're ready to start doing the things that you usually, when you're still tired, would feel a lot more resistance for. So it's, I see it as my first win of the day. Like, getting past the, uh, you know, the big resistance, which are almost always is in the morning, and actually start moving. Because after that, everything else gets easier. So um, doing this for the past couple of months has resulted in lots of physical little aches and pains that come with age. I'm just still 24, but uh, imagine when I'm 80. Uh, lots of those small physical pains and aches, they actually went away. Um, became more fit, started going to the gym more. Um, so, could, could you maybe share a bit um, about the, the way that you uh, establish this routine? Because, like I myself and from what I hear from people around us, from around me, um, is we all have some things that we know we could do that would make our lives better like how many new year resolutions are there to go out and exercise more Mm -hmm. to move more because we we know how much it impacts our life we know how how healthy it is and research research is backing it up more and more also Mm -hmm. the impact on the on on the psychology of the of of our mental health Um, but yet it's everyone struggles with actually 
um, realizing to to implement these habits so so could you share a bit about the formation of this habit and how you approached it definitely the first thing i would want to share is unless you do you don't know so real knowing means doing because otherwise there's a certain intellectual understanding of how it might benefit you but once you have not felt the benefit you don't really know the most important part about it you don't know so the first thing i would do is to stop the lie telling yourself that you actually know it when you haven't done it and accepting that you don't know and you will find yourself when people talk about it you will catch yourself almost saying i know and then you will remember no i really don't know and that will be the first step opening your mind the second step will be um, realizing that there are two parts of yourself you have both the long-term self, which thinks up all these great plans, visions, and dreams of what you could become. And then you also have, uh, well, you could call it your lower self, but you can basically call it your monkey brain, which is designed to save as much energy as possible. Because in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, when prehistoric times. Yeah, prehistoric times. That was what I was searching for. In the prehistoric times, there was scarcity of food. So what your brain did is actually it looked for the, yeah, you know, uh, the way to get to a goal without uh, using too much energy because that was the most constraining factor. That doesn't apply anymore. It just doesn't apply. You can get food everywhere. At least we are lucky because we live in a rich uh, first world country that we can get food everywhere. So that's the second part. You understand that your brain is designed to save energy mm-hmm. and the only way you are going to convince your brain of doing that less is to show it once you use energy that there is energy so and, and that you need more uh, like that you need the the energy right yeah like, like because you start start moving so you have a reason to like your body adapts to the movements that you make exactly so what you do is once you do the movements you will actually Feel the neurochemicals that give you the good feelings and it will start to create a habit for your body. Your body is designed to move away from pain and go towards pleasure. <laughs> At first the pain will be change. You're moving now in the morning. Usually you're just sitting drinking your coffee. That's spending a lot less energy. That's more comfortable. Sure. So the first thing you have to do is create the motivation. That's on the other path of the obstacle, which is doing the meditation. And for that... You really have to do it. So uh, in the end, I saw a motivational vi- uh, video on YouTube. It was really simple. It said, just do it. Just do it. And that was all it was for about six minutes. It was one of the better motivational videos I've ever seen. But let's now turn this into the real world. Because I think you've had seen many f- videos as well where people say, just do it. And then still you're lying in the bed. Still it's not easy um, to actually get started. So what I did... This really important one. This actually to implement. Make the first step as small as possible. The smaller you make it, the less of an excuse your monkey brain can make to stop. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we all have a need to complete. That's one of the great things about us. Once we've started, the need to complete is automatic. But the need to start is never there. So what you need to do is you, make, you need to make sure that you have already started once you start sitting up. That's the easiest thing. So what you can do 
when usually uh, you are in the bed and you wake up and you sit up, make that into a stretch. <laughs> what you do is you try to reach for your feet with your hands. And then with your head, you just let it fall down, you drop it, and you just start breathing really deeply a couple of times. And then you've already started. So that's the first tip I would give. If you want to start feeling better, start feeling better with the first thing you do every day. Because mm -hmm. you really are in charge. You have to get up anyway. What I find very interesting uh, to that part is that it relates a lot to when you want to um, develop a new habit, attach it to a habit that you already have. And like we don't think of it as a habit, but waking up, is something that we do every day like sitting upright to get out of bed is a habit and because if you attach it to that it you will form this habit a lot more easily than when you try to do something completely different because you have no nothing to attach it to no certain uh, mental state that you're in when you're getting up to to work uh, to, to build forth on and this even works neurologically. So they did an experiment. They took a couple of rats and they put them into a maze. And the first time the rat goes through the maze, the brain activity is 100%. Then the same rat goes through the same maze the second time. Brain activity is about 70%. Then he goes through the third time in a row. Now the brain activity is 50%. And then the fourth time, the brain activity is almost 0%. How can this happen? Well, there's a part in the brain that regulates habits and it's a different part than the prefrontal cortex which we do our thinking with um, so once you do and uh, repeat something a certain number of times it becomes ingrained into a habit and you know remember what we said about the brain wanting to save energy brain activity costs energy so the first time doing it on 100% brain activity will cost lots of energy there will be lots of resistance automatically Second time, there will be a little bit less resistance. Third time, even less. And the fourth time, you might experience zero resistance at all. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that once you really know how your brain works, you really can change. And the, the, the smart thing to do is to not beat yourself up. Fuck, why am I not doing it? Actually, it has been shown that negative energy like that actually decreases your chances of doing it mm -hmm. when you are nice to yourself when you have done nothing at all it will work better for you in forming a habit than once you are not nice to yourself because you haven't done it perfectly there's literally a higher chance that you stop so what you focus on grows what you focus on grows because the brain connection of doing that grows uh, so basically in this case as well it's it's really important to uh, make the step as small as possible and accept that the resistance is going to be there and after just realize how cool it was that you're building the type of character which goes through resistance to go to your dreams mm -hmm. and the great thing about this no matter how small that step is it's a habit as well mm -hmm. so if you practice this habit you will soon be able to beat way bigger obstacles it's just a question of repetition so to wrap this up lots of info um, i want to make it concrete first thing don't uh, decide that you don't know anything unless you have done it 
The second one is realize that your brain exists to limit energy use. And the third one, because of those two things, you have to make the step towards action as small as possible, integrated in the habit that you already have. And then once you've done that, just see how it feels. I would like to add one, one thing to that, like you alluded to that a bit, is that even this small step of doing something despite resistance, like you said that that leads to your dreams. Mm-hmm. That that's like this tiny step to your dreams. So I think um, a final step that, that helps a lot is to um, get very clear for yourself, coming back, make a link to the communication that we were talking about earlier, is what are you doing it for? So how does this small habit formation, how does that fit in the bigger picture of moving from where you are now towards a uh, deeply felt dream? Yeah. And once you have your, your values clearly formulated, your motivation clearly formulated, it, it will make it, um, you will be more motivated automatically. Definitely, definitely. But what is also important to realize is that growth will come automatically if we don't block it. So this is something might sound counterintuitive, but you've probably experienced it once you were a child and you just tried something. And when you liked it, you just kept going. And you automatically started trying new things and new things. And that's built into your brain. So you don't have to take care of the growth beforehand. The only thing you have to do is to start and to let your creativity go its way. And there what's interesting is that perfectionism is something that we develop later. Like that's not something that's very present in young children, I think. Mm-hmm. When you start something in the beginning, it's not like, oh, I need to be perfect in that. But like later in life, we think like, oh, I should be better in this. And this is actually what's holding back, what's, what's, what's pushing against the growth, yeah. keeping you from actually growing. Because you will literally stop doing it, which is something that relates to this podcast for instance that we're recording right now is that like i think why i didn't start earlier was in part because i had um, unrealistically high expectations of how knowledgeable i should be in order to be able to create content that would be valuable for other people Um, and i had to realize this that i will never be good enough in in from this critical judge perspective to to start uh, making a podcast because i can always learn learn more and what's the craziest thing is that this is a trick of the brain to save energy as well Mm -hmm. let that sink in for a bit your brain actually learns to develop perfectionistic visions of things which your brain does a, a basic calculation of the effort involved, which is basically too big, causing you not to do it, but in the end, saving effort if of you were instead doing it. Yeah. So it's actually a mechanism made to let you not start. Um, and also basically to have a vision, to have a dream, it also has useful properties, but the useful properties come after you've started. They don't come before. So... Uh, basically because you're misdirecting the creative energy not into the process, but into something completely different. You're not actually doing the activity, but you're investing energy as if you are doing the activity. Mm-hmm. doesn't make sense when you think about it. Just wrongly invested energy, but it's used to inv- make you invest less energy by not starting. 
And, and I think in part that's something that many of us learned because maybe earlier on in life we made the experience that when we did try that um, people were not focusing on our efforts. People were focusing on the results. Yeah. Very achievement oriented. And because in the beginning we suck in anything new that we try. Mm-hmm. So if the people around us, maybe even our parents, are um, discouraging us from trying and stumbling stupidly into the unknown, then we like that's that's negative reinforcement. So we are like, okay, we have to stay away from that. And um, as a consequence, we, we, we also learn that, okay, so we learn this energy conserving mechanism, but also like we want to move towards something pleasurable. So we learn that, that dreaming about things um, and actually, do, actually trying to go there is not pleasurable because we're cut down by people focusing on the results that are not there in the beginning. And linking that to communication, that's why it's so important to, when you make compliments, to make compliments on the process and not on the state. So not sure, saying, yeah. not saying like, oh, ni- no, Nitai, you are so smart and talented. You're doing so well in your job. Like, that's like, what do you do with such a compliment? Like, it's, it's not, it doesn't You try feel. to look smart and talented. Yeah. By avoiding the situations that actually make you grow and make you more talented in other people's eyes, but really just, you know, you grow, you've grown a little bit by trying. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, and your point about the compliments in the parents is really, really important because it goes really um, subconsciously. And we try to, once we know that we usually can get the pleasure by really trying, uh, because people cut us down before we get good and we just don't try enough so we won't get the result. Because of that, um, we actually live with the scraps. We, we still have the initiative within us to go towards a new thing. That initiative is still there. We think about it, but then we just don't take the action. And basically the part we think about, we, 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 we do mental masturbation about that. Oh, it will be so great. It would be so great. And we make it even greater than it would be because the energy is misdirected into making the vision even greater and more awesome. Instead of putting the energy into the action where it should be. Which also increases the discrepancy between where you actually are and where you, you, you think you should be. Exactly. And also the results uh, also makes you more disillusioned with the results once you actually start acting it out. Because once you have thought about every little contingency of something before you started doing it, it can actually turn against you uh, once you're doing it because you will know way more criteria by which it isn't going well, mm-hmm. uh, which will make it almost insurmountable to start. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so maybe we can, we can summarize this with, uh, with one of the rules from, from Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to someone el- who someone else is today. Yes, and, and, and that's, that's an important one. And also, uh, you know, just understand that the vision that you think you might want to be or you might want to move towards, once you get there, maybe you don't want to be there at all. So one of the thinking habits that I've achieved to reduce my perfectionism is basically 
realize that I don't know what I want. I only know what I want to find out. And by really testing that, I've broken through a lot of perfectionism because once I did lots of things, I found out I really didn't want them at all. And if I had stayed there, not doing them, thinking about all these great visions, how it would have been if I would have got there, then I would still have those dreams, still beat myself up for not achieving them. But when trying them and finding out I really didn't want them at all, no more bad feelings, just a different direction. Mm-hmm. And finding the direction that you really do want to go. So and and, and in, in doing so, you're finding your passion, which yeah. which I, I learned that some I think a year or two ago that passion stems for from Latin word which means something worth suffering for, so Ooh. something you want to suffer for. And I think that that one is so so powerful because I think often when we use the word passion, it's like oh I'm so passionate about that, like I could do this forever, um, like as if it's just like something that comes very very easily but, but that's not the case it's not like it, that it's less um less hard than other things that 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 you're less passionate for it's equally as hard but you're 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 willing to put in your everything in it great and, and do the things that that you also don't feel like doing because it's something that that is really close to you i really like your definition and i want to add to it in the sense that your, there are trade-offs are everywhere. Wherever you put in your attention, you're not putting it in someplace else. Mm-hmm. So in any case, you'll find many things that are not worth suffering for. And uh, by trying them, you will find out the things that are worth suffering for, which will be the only way to make the best out of your short time here on Earth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's also... We, we often see like things that we try and don't continue with us maybe being failures but that that's that's not it you know every successful person they made a lot of failures but like like that actually helped them to determine what they really want to go towards yeah and um carl rogers has a very interesting part about defining yourself that there's both positive and negative ways of 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 defining yourself negative as in you define yourself by the things that you're not so you define yourself by the things that you've tried and found um, that they are not close to you. So you're moving away from that, like the, like describing the hell. I don't want to be there. I want to move anywhere, but like away from that. Yeah. And you define yourself positively by where you do want to go, by your heaven. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful because moving away from something is also a direction which gives you a clue about the kind of direction you do want to move in. Mm-hmm. So, um, wrapping this up, because we're almost getting to the end, I think it's good to reflect on the two goals that we had about the two subjects. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, With the goal being on the habit side to, you know, provide some personal experiences, the importance of habit, the impact that it can have, doing something every day while it gets easier by doing it and having the maximal impact over your life. Uh, And also some concrete tips uh, with the first concrete tip being just make the start as small and easy as possible. That's the biggest one. I just want to leave you with that one. I can tell you more, but just take one habit and make the start as easy as possible. Set the bar low and set it close to a habit that you already have. 
And concerning communication, I think we can also formulate that as a habit that you could start with, which is already really small, is to, in, in order to find out what you feel, who you are, what you think, where you want to go, just every once in a while, sit down and write down the question, how, how are you doing? What's alive in me right now? And kind of just let it sit there for a while, like as if you're throwing a pebble in a little little pool of water and like let the ripples tell you what is going on inside of you. Dare to listen, dare to feel. Because once you get at such a moment, you might notice that uh, you try to avoid the feeling, be honest with yourself, feel what you feel. And you will see the real compass is inside. Not out. It's not what other people think. Once you find out what you really think, you will see that really doesn't matter. And even that other people will more easily and more genuinely relate to you. You will find the people that want to join you on your journey and you will automatically repel people and move away from people that don't. And on that note, I want to end by saying that I am very happy that I met you and that you kind of re-entered my life after like not actually really knowing you in primary school. Yeah. And that now together we can um, create this, which feels very valuable for me. I have the idea that it does to you and I hope that it does to people listening to this as well. And I'm very much looking forward to receiving any kind of feedback that people might have. Yeah, for me, definitely grateful that I met you as well as I've, you know, said in my examples you've helped me a lot throughout the years and uh, i think it's really great that we're now sharing our uh, insights with the world hoping we can be of help to you out there if you have any topics that you would be interested in listening to let us know if you have some feedback let us know as well and most importantly if you've tried some of these habits we are really curious how that has been for you so let us know and see you next time. Have a good Ciao. day.